We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. We are live here on a Thursday night, live from Imperial Series continues. I am joined by a good friend, a recurring guest on this podcast. Although it's been a minute since I've had you on, man. And yes, it has. It's uh, we were just talking. I've had you on many times, but first time ever on the video side. So yeah, uh, what's going on, Nate Gary? By the way, for people listening from WGR, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Man? No one's gotten to see my ugly face on your camera. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I didn't even try to do this. Your um, promotional picture is me in this shirt. It is. You know what? Let me pull that up for the people there who are Show watching. Them. I mean, I mean, I, I'm wearing the shirt. It's a good shirt. I golf well in it, and I podcast well in it. Luckily for you, we're going to talk some golf. Obviously, we're going to talk plenty of Buffalo Bills. Let's start with wings. And I'll tell you what. It, it's so I, obviously we're here in Imperial. I already yep. know how you feel about Imperial Pizza. Um, I have a lot of media guests on, and I respect them all. I love them all, and then you know they they like their wings. But you know, I'll be like, you know, how are the wings? And they're like, yeah, they're good. They're good. They're good. And you're the like if anyone in the media yeah, I, that I could I talk to that. about wings and actually get some almost treated like a sport. Yeah. Like yeah. Wings like yes. a sport. It is definitely uh Nate Gary. So what did we bang out before we started? We had some uh, Pat. I, I just want to say, first and foremost, I did not ask Pat for specific you did not wing flavors. No. I got here and the three wing flavors I would have chose, like I like that I would have picked personally were already on the table for me. They were. And for people watching and listening, we had hot Chevetta chard. We had so good. Medium lemon pepper. Yep. Which is, I, I told you your baseline, you go places and to try to make it fair, you, you do the baseline chicken sauce, right? right. Like you want to do medium everywhere just to see what their mediums like. Now, if everybody just used the same medium sauce, it would be easier. But some places have their own house sauce. It's not Frank's. Right. But a lot of people just, you know, have different variations of Frank's. Nothing wrong with that. Sure. But medium lemon pepper is my personal, like, I'm choosing medium lemon pepper as the baseline for other people. Yeah. And if you don't have medium lemon pepper, then you're out. You know, that's know. funny. We've had wings together many times at multiple places. I never knew that about you, though. Medium lemon pepper. Until is, tonight. That's where I go. Yeah. And then the third kind of wings we had here in Imperial... 
which was an homage to Our my man. guy, one of your best friends, Marcel Louis Jacques, um, honey mustard barbecue chard, chard, uh. which. The last time you were here for a show with me, Marcel was with us as well. We were just talking about this. That was in July a couple of years ago. And like a couple of weeks later, that's when news broke that, uh, that Marcel he was, was he going was down on to Miami. greener pastures or in this case, uh, sunnier pastures, sunnier pastures yeah. for sure. But anyway, now that I have you on here and you, like I said, you kind of bring light to these wings more than a lot of the other guests. Cause some people just, you know, wings are wings to them. Sure. I know that's not the case with you. What do you like about this place the most when it comes to wings? consistency yeah um you could be here on a tuesday you could be here on a saturday and you'll have the same level of consistency with the wing it's so another thing that i judge a place by right is if i have to ask for ex extra crispy all i'm asking you is to cook them at the proper crisp level i'm not actually asking for extra crispy rings right i just know that there's a good chance not that they're undercooked it's just that they're not that crispy level that I'm looking for. Right. right. So the thing about this place is you never have to ask for ex extra crispy. Um, that's, that's usually a good baseline of saying like, is this place a great wing place or not? Do I have to ask extra crispy or not? If I don't, then it's sort of in a, in a separate tier entirely. Um, I think in terms of pizzeria wings, it is Macy's and it's Imperial and then it's everybody else. Yeah. I, I uh, yeah. the variation of wings. I will say this though, just in terms of any, whether it's pizzeria, whether it's sports bar, whether it's hole in the wall, the Imperial Pizza barbecue sauce is the best barbecue sauce really? of, of any of any wing that I've had. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know, of everything you said, and I, and I agree with pretty much everything you said, um, it stands out for me is just consistency. Consistency. To me, that's, there's so many good wing places in, in Western New York where you know, you and I could go to, I'm not going to name a place, but we go to whatever bar and we go there and it's like, oh, these wings are really good, man. They're the bomb. And then you'll go tell your cousin the next time you're out and you'll go with them and it'll be taste completely different. You know what I mean? And there's only a handful of places to me that are, uh, that are consistent. This is one of them, by the way, and I know you don't know this. One more thing about Imperial, then we'll get into the show, but kind of breaking news here. I'm going to put this up so people can see it on the video side. There is actually a second Imperial pizza coming here. In just a month. Where? 1655 Main downtown? Street. Downtown? No, well, no, not downtown. It's um near Canisius College. So that's a big got W. Really excited. <laughs> that's a me. big W for people around that area. But I yeah, mean, it's kind of College. downtown. It's close to me. It's near where um 26 shirts was. They okay. Moved to, um, they moved to Kenmore. Listen, anywhere close to the city is good with me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 1655 Main Street. Coming soon. Anyway, so we, before we get into some football, people know you. Well, they know you for a lot of reasons. One of them, of course, is golf. Tell us about a couple of your. Because again, it's been a minute since I've had you on the show. Summer's I've, I've winding down trips. now. You've done a lot of summer trips. Tell me about one or two of them. So, as a lot of you know, I decided to um, give up my Saturday, my Saturday show, mostly because I needed. So, I uh, I bartend as well. Right. I have a full time forty hour a week job. Yep. Uh, and I work at GR. I have two bartending jobs and I work at GR and I have four, full 40 hour a week full time mm -hmm. job. Um, this year I'd been working Saturdays since I was 21. You, I was going to say you've been doing it for a while, man. Uh, either whether it was producing for Collar, whether it was producing for Sale or hosting the show myself, I'd been doing it for 10 years. I have not had a Saturday to myself in almost 10 years. So I decided this year um, 
A, the Saturday slot is for to develop guys. It's to develop people yeah. into giving them opportunities to be on air. So I, I just felt like, A, um, it was time for me to hand the keys off to somebody else and Josh and um, and Zach Jones do a great job uh, on Saturdays. But I, I needed the break, and I, I thought it was time to pass the buck. So um, before decided- golf, before golf. Before you get into golf and talking about giving ups, uh-huh. how was that adjustment for you? Because when you're used to doing for something as long as you do, yeah, it, that habit, it just be you know that ritual. Was it weird for you at first no. to like not? Do, no, not really. No, uh, I've wanted Saturday a Saturday morning where I didn't have to wake up and prepare for a show and then do the show. And it was you know it's just one of those things where it's eleven to two. It's only three hours, but it's smack dab in the middle of your day. You know, sure. and then, oh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, I'm waking yeah, up yeah. at eight o'clock to make sure I prep right for the show. You know, I mean, yeah. you do these every every day now, for yep. God's sakes. Yep. You know the level. You don't just walk in front of a microphone and start talking. That's right. just that's not how you do this at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started using my Saturdays to golf more, travel. Um, I did several golf trips this year. I went to Pinehurst to where they're going to play 2024's U.S. Open. Uh, played very well there. Uh, played uh, Tobacco Road, which I think is one of the. It's like it's like a golf golfer's dream. It's like golf art, uh, is how I would describe it. So I got to play lots of uh, really amazing courses, travel, play different uh, play different golf courses, but just have a full weekend um, to myself. And and I had an awesome summer. Um, I, I'm sad it's over, but I'm also glad Bill season's here. And um, you'll never catch me complaining about football season. That's for sure. <laughs> you'll never catch me. Complaining. You know. So many media people are always posting photos of them golfing. Some of them golf together. You know, it's just golf's fun. Of course, I, us media know. guys, we got to stick together. Okay, well, who amongst these media guys and girls that get on in the course? And who, tell us the truth. Who's actually respectable out there? Like, who's got some good sticks on the course? Sale is a super interestingly consistent player. He's not like – Sale's not going to go out there and shoot, you know, in the 70s, but he'll be mid low to mid-80s. And he's got this nice little left. He's a lefty. He hits this nice little banana hook where he hits a 220 down the middle of the fairway every single time. Sales is a very consistent golfer. Yeah. Jeremy and I are, Jeremy White and myself are pretty close. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm better. <laughs> uh, but it's not that far apart. We're, we're, we're pretty close. I'm a six handicap. I think Jeremy's an eight or nine. So we're, we're, we're pretty close. Yeah. Um, Joe DiBiase's fine golfer. We uh we were together we did a league at Delaware Park this year uh, called the Birdie League, uh and Joe and I were partners. Uh, Bulldog, Bulldog's just he's big. He can wield the he could wield the club around. Uh, Bulldog's a good golfer. I love I, that dude. I, but more so, I love playing with Bulldog. Yeah, I, I can imagine he's a really good dude. Bulldog man. is one of those rare people that you meet that you're like, you would just do anything for. Bull, Bulldog is just as good of a people as good of a people sure. as it gets. Um. Chris Baker. <laughs> Guest next week, by the way, here live from Imperial Pizza. Chris good, Baker. Good segue. Uh, we belong to the same country club together. Yeah. Uh, we don't we don't really play together a lot, but uh, we compare scorecards. I kick his ass. Um, <laughs> Fairburn. Stinks. Uh, <laughs> but, good. Call him out, man. <laughs> Well, I like about um, you keeping it real. Yeah, no, the media guys. Listen, we have we have fun. We do the Bills media tournament every year. Uh, I was not able to defend my title this year. Uh, I had to travel for work at my That's other job. That's right. I remember seeing. Uh, that. So Brandon Bean uh, won for the fourth time in his six years here. Which let's just say uh, Brandon Bean might be stacking the squads a little bit. Me and AJ Feldman 
won it last year with Matt Barkley. Um, but I didn't get to defend it, so there's an asterisk next to that win. That's all that I got to say. So who won it this year? Brandon Bean and uh, I believe Jay Skirsky. Okay. Skirsky's a stick. Is he? But better than Skirsky, Skirsky's son. Oh, my God. That kid is stud. <laughs> yeah. He's a stud. He'd beat me. I think he'd go on the course and beat me. I'm very inconsistent. I could at any point go out and shoot a 95 or a 75. Really? It's, it's golf. You know, you, you bring up Jay, um, small Jay, world. Speaking of Jay, Jay, Jay is a, Jay's also really good people. He is. In fact, again, you know, a small world. Jay Skirsky plays softball with my son. They play on two leagues oh, really? together, actually. Yeah. So, uh, he, he's gotten to know not I know Jay for a long time. Jay's, now, Jay's a great Jay's guy. He's gotten to know my kid too. So yeah, that that's really uh cool. So by the way, so again, we're we're doing this live on a Thursday yes, night. We are. We got some football going on, Minnesota and uh Philadelphia. I shouldn't be so nice to you. We are playing each other this week in our dynasty media league. I wouldn't be nice to me if I were playing me either. <laughs> Scored two hundred points. Should last I call myself UDBSC? out for yes, one of the all time dumb moves? Tell the people. I'll I'll, I'll move to the side if you want to <laughs> pan in. So last in? week before the season started, um. You proposed the trade to me. It's I not did. only I proposed it to you. You proposed a trade. You offered me Tua and Raheem Mostert for Ritter, uh, Jalen Warren from Pittsburgh, and a first-round pick next year. Again, this is a media dynasty, a dynasty yeah, league. Dynasty it's league. not a one-year league. So that matters. Context matters. You want sure. younger players and you know draft picks and stuff like that, and I rejected it. And then literally, what, 48 hours later, Tua throws 466 yards. And three touchdowns. And that's not even the, oh, I don't want to say it because it's not funny, but the most ironic part is I'd say no to that trade. And the next night, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who was my quarterback at Dynasty, lasted four plays. And uh, It's cold world for you, buddy. It is. That, that, that's really bad uh, on my part. So you mentioned, so now you're not doing Saturdays at WTR, yeah. but you're still on the air. Yes. And including Monday night, after the game on Monday night, I got to ask you, because I didn't get a chance. I, I had to tape a show, so I didn't get to listen on WJR Monday night. What was the temperature of uh, the callers? Was it a, like a normal loss? Was it way worse? What, what was the vibe like trying to uh, field some calls? It was not good. <laughs> it was pretty bad. No. Um, first caller said that he thought the best solution would be to have Kyle Allen play this week and have Josh Allen watch from the bench. Come on. First caller. Do they sell? Do you think that? Do you think some of them? I know at least some of them got to be trying to troll that, you to that, get you to that react. guy. That guy was but legit. Do you think there's some of no, them that, no, that are just legit callers who truly believe that? In that guy heart? was legit. I had oh, uh, a buddy of mine call in, but I know he's unhinged, my friend. Uh, so I know what he said wasn't just because it was me on air. He was just he was unhinged. Um, he had a quote that I actually really liked from this. Is it was like um, that Sean McDermott and uh, and Ken Dorsey. We're like driver's ed teachers trying to drive F1. <laughs> what? And I was like, it's kind of a, it's kind of funny. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well. Driver's ed teachers and uh, or uh, the Bills offense was uh, was an F1 car and they were trying to fill it with 87 octane Camry fuel. Um, Does anyone ever say something on the air? to you on a call and not necessarily Monday, but it like literally makes you just laugh out loud in the moment. Like you can't sure. even, you can't even hold it in. Yeah. I mean, they, people say a lot of ridiculous things all the time. I, 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 listen, <laughs> and then like, you know, God, God bless our, our call screeners. Sometimes they call in and they say, they're going to say something and they say something completely different. And that's just kind of how sports radio goes. Um, but um, yeah, no, there was not exactly the most 
uh, curated takes on Monday night after that I, loss. I can only imagine. I mean, I saw Twitter and it was pretty bad. I can only imagine yeah, the actual physical phone calls. Wasn't great. Um, must have been worse. I want to go back to that in a second, but let me ask you this without deep diving into it. But the incident earlier this week with the hot mic and comments said, sure. The reaction and the people who follow us on Twitter, it is what it is. He apologized. This is just my own personal opinion and no, no one else, but my opinion. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I shouldn't have been said, but I almost, Again, I don't want to get into what was said. I, what I want to talk to you about is the reaction from Stefan Diggs. He went on Twitter, and it's not that he was nasty or anything like no, that. No, no. But I, I guess what I'm asking you is, are you a little bit surprised? It seems to me that there's like a continuous disconnect going on right now between some of the players or the players in general and management, the front office, the staff, whatever it may be. That just felt to me like something that, probably would have been better off being handled in-house. I, I don't know. Maybe you don't how many, agree with How me. many times have we said that over the last eight months that these things should be handled in-house? Um, yeah. I was surprised to see that, that tonight. I am a huge fan of Maddie Glab. Me too. Um, I don't think she meant anything uh, negative about it. I think, I think that it's a... Listen, a hot mic is a tough situation because there's zero context behind what was being said, right, what was right, being asked, right. what provoked her to say what she said, um, and in the context that she said it. Again, I, I, I think that Maddie is one of the very few people uh, that do what we do um, that does a good job just kind of telling it how it is. And sure. I think it's an unfortunate situation and, you know, I, I was not expecting to see anyone address it. Uh, I definitely was not expecting to see Stefan Diggs address it on social media. Um, but to your point, I think uh, there, there does seem to be some kind of disconnect between the team and what gets leaked, what gets tweeted, what gets talked about. And this has just been such, and, and, and maybe this is just because of what we've been used to seeing, which is, everything's locked up and nothing right. gets talked about and nothing leaves the locker room. And now really from the Bengals game on, uh, we've seen example of that after example of things that are, I guess, a little bit different than what we're used to seeing with this Bills organization and just the tight ship that Brand Bean and Sean McDermott and the Bills PR department run. Um, but you can't control everybody. You can't control um, what, to me anyways, what Stefan Diggs is going to feel or want to feel or want to say about that. So, um, listen, I'm a, as big of a Medic Lab fan as I'm a huge, huge Stefan Diggs fan. Sure. I think that, you know, Stefan Diggs goes out this week or, uh, or, or during the game, right? And there's a, a situation where the camera pans to, to him talking to Josh Allen, yeah. right? And Michael Irvin comes out and has all this negative stuff. You can't show this guy up. And I just I'm 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 trying to understand what Stefan Diggs can do that he he won't be villainized for. Exactly. He doesn't talk to the media, he's villainized. He's you know pounding on the sidelines, he's villainized. He's uh, going up to his quarterback, trying to encourage him and get him going. He's villainized. I couldn't agree with you more. What it what it kind of comes down to, and, and this is what happens when you become a star, when you become a media darling, because 
your 15 minutes, uh, they're, they, they, they don't let they're 15 minutes and they really are right. <laughs> and you look at what happened in, in, in Minnesota. And I think what happened in Minnesota, how he was, how he got out, how he was traded, the tweet and all that is there's this reputation or narrative around Stefan Diggs, fair or unfair, um, that people want to cling to. And, you know, I know that what happened during that Cincinnati Bengals game, the, the drama around it, the way he's being demonstrative on the sidelines, like I think Stefan Diggs is the ultimate competitor. I think he's a yeah. great teammate. I think there's a reason he continually gets voted captain. Sure. I think he is a victim of a lazy, lazy narrative. And it is what it is. Um, and I don't think Stefan Diggs loses any sleep over it. I don't think he goes to bed thinking, why are people mean to me? Why do Stefan Diggs is going to be Stefan Diggs? And I think that the Bills are better when their offense runs exclusively through Diggs and everybody else gets to be gets a little piece. When they stop flowing the offense through Stefan Diggs, I get what what could make him frustrated. I, I get why whether or not he was out there saying he wanted to be traded or not, he said he didn't, and I believe him. Um, you know, I would bet that there are people around him that have different opinions. I know his brother, you know, had some different opinions about some stuff. And I that does not mean that Stefan Diggs shares those opinions. Agreed. So I, I think he gets to be sometimes a victim of his surroundings, of the people that are close to him and the things that they say. And also, I think he just kind of tends to be a victim of narrative. And everybody knows that somebody that has to deal with uh, reputation or whatever it might be, whether it's the workplace, whether it's amongst friends, whether it's in professional sports, where it might be unfair, but at the end of the day, Stefan Diggs, he might be upset about this, but I, I would think that it's not going to, He'll go to sleep tonight just fine. And I want to be really clear about something too. Hot mic, no hot mic. What's what was said was said, and it's not right. But what I, all I'm saying is that context matters, tone matters, intent of what you're saying, all that matters. And I am certainly not criticizing Stefan Diggs, even for going on Twitter and being kind of pissed off to hear about that. That probably did piss him off, and it should. I, I guess my main point is it, the disconnect, like that should have been handled. Somewhere else. It should have been handled in-house. I just I feel like, agree. to your point, there was a time with this team where that would have gotten buttoned right there. You know what I mean? It would have been inside doors that we don't know about, and that's how that would have been addressed. I feel like there's a lot of teams around the league right now where if that happens, oh, it's yeah. going to get addressed internally. internally. So I guess I was just really surprised, you know, for more than 24 hours later for this to be continue to be Historically, a story. that's where it is. It's done, it's done internally. Right. All right, well, let's go back to the game. Uh, on Monday night, I, I want to kind of get your takes on Ken Dorsey. You had a tweet. I don't know what it was word for word, but it alludes to what I'm saying right now because I thought it was a great tweet that you put out. Like with my concern with Ken Dorsey, I didn't think he was bad on Monday with the exception of that second and 15 run call in overtime. And that that, that tends off. to be the overwhelming thought of that game was right. that particular play. But it was not good. The criticism, you know, like again, and again, you had to field a lot of calls, I'm sure, about it. Have you seen a lot of, you know, mentions? replies from your tweets about Ken Dorsey. Do you feel like at this point, it's kind of like, it's not even like the X's and O's that concerns me right now. No, I saw a quarterback who was playing a terrible game out there and just kind of felt like he, his body language made it look like he was on an Island. Like where's your coordinator? I know he's in the booth and maybe he shouldn't be in the booth. I don't know, but somebody in your ear, somebody talking to your quarterback on the sidelines. It's just like, is his biggest inability right now? Ken Dorsey, at least at this time, the, uh, 
not having the ability to to reel in Josh Allen when he starts to get out of control on the field like he clearly was on Monday. Like, I, your coordinator's got to – isn't that part of the gig? Kind of reeling him in a little bit? I loved what you just mentioned about whether or not he should be upstairs or not. I, the more and more I think about it, I – I like the idea of him being on the sidelines. Yeah. Now, does that change anything? I'm not sure. Um, I think the the tweet you're referring to is the idea of blaming him for micro things rather than the macro. Yes, which, exactly. Um, Elaborate on that because not everyone saw your tweet. Talk about so it. I guess what I meant by that is I think you can look at the micro, which as the which is the play calling, the down by down, the the micro stuff in the in the middle of a game. Mm-hmm. And I want to be more critical of Ken Dorsey in the macro, which is helping Josh evolve as a decision maker, helping him mature as a decision maker. Things that I think Brian Dable were, was very good at. Um, there was a quote from Jordan, um, Jordan Palmer, Jordan Palmer this week about, you know, Bill Belichick talking about, um, Brian Dable as a coach where he's one of those very unique, very, very few people in the NFL that could coach offense, defense, and special teams. And I think there was a level of, Brian Dable was able to teach Josh and help Josh evolve as a football player, not just as a quarterback, not just as somebody that plays offense. Right. Um, And I think that Josh misses that. I don't, I don't know that it's something that is like you can point to a certain play or a scheme or structure, but rather the evolution of Josh as a football player, understanding what defenses are doing and why they're doing it. Um, And I do think that's where they miss Brian Dable the most. I don't know that it's just from play calling or, or structure or scheme. Um, but I think where Ken Dorsey is lacking right now is not the play calling or designing of past plays or co- past concepts. I thought that they designed a really good, smart game plan that worked. Yeah. And I think Josh went rogue. And I think if you're in the workplace and you design a, you know, people love saying SOP, right? Which is standard operating procedure. You, you design a structure, a standard operating procedure in your office, and you, as an employee, don't follow it. Mm-hmm. What happens? Falls apart, man. It falls apart, but there are consequences. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah, as an employee, yeah. if they say, I need you to follow this process, I need you, when you're selling something, I need you to ask permission to price this thing up, and you go out and you sell it without asking permission to price it, and then you sell it at the wrong price, what happens? Yeah, there's consequences. There's consequences. Yeah. Whether you're the best sales guy or the worst sales guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're oftentimes willing to overlook your top sales guy making rogue decisions. But at a certain point, if it's hurting the rest of the organization, those are things you have to address with your top sales guy because that's the guy that everybody follows, that he's the he's the breadwinner. He's the guy at the very – he or she's the guy at the top that is – selling the most and doing the most and doing the right things every month. But you start veering on your own. You start going rogue. Well, then there are consequences. And I think right now there isn't anybody that's looking at Josh saying, "I, you can't do this and here's why. And Man. Sean McDermott might be able to point at the sideline and say, be smart. What's it's not, it's not resonating. Take off your media hat for a second. And just as a fan, you don't have to be even be an expert, but you could just see him imploding on the field yeah, on real time. And it was the body language that kind of bothered me more than the actual I mistakes. I agree. 100%. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying uh, when it comes to that. How do you uh, – that was the worst game I've ever seen him play. Now, you could go back to the Cincinnati game last year, and there were other bad games too. 
But like even the Jacksonville game, the Cincinnati game last year, you could point your finger at a million different things. The offensive line couldn't block anyone in Cincinnati or in Buffalo last year in the playoffs. Nobody on defense showed up. They were getting pushed all over the place. Yep. Nobody could make a tackle. This game, I felt like the offensive line, considering who the opponent was, at least was semi-adequate. The defense played really defense good. Played great. Really good. And your quarterback blew the game. 13 points. So that's why I say that. That, that might have been because yep. I feel like this is the first time where I can look at a game and say they lost this game because of Josh Allen. Yeah. You know, you kind of get those vibes from, from Monday. Yeah, I mean, he's the, he was the first one to admit. I mean, it was on him, and I agree it was on him. I think the defense did enough in that game to keep them in the football game. Obviously, the Garrett Wilson touchdown was incredible. I mean, it's just it's – just Trey uh, White was right there. It's an elite play. Yeah. Um, right, Trey White's in position to make the play, and it is what it is. I, I'm of the mind, Pat, that you just need Josh Allen to be a game manager. And there are games where you need Josh Allen to be Josh Allen and be right. elite. Yes. But there are also games where all it requires you to do is be a game manager. And, and it's the quarterbacks that can do both. There are games where Pat Mahomes, all he has to do is be a game manager. Joe Burrow, all he, if Joe Burrow was a game manager last Sunday, they beat the Browns. Yeah, he maybe. played poorly. Listen, the best four quarterbacks in football, the most talented quarterbacks in football, all four of them lost on week one. Yeah. And... Before everybody wants to doom and gloom and say the Bill season's over, two years ago, when they went to the AFC divisional round and had 13 seconds, they were 11 and six, and they lost week one to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and yeah. it felt embarrassing. That it was that's right. And I forgot about that. Yeah, they lost. They lost to Jacksonville that year too. Lot to me, the season's not over, but man, that was a really difficult. It was difficult to watch because what it was is it felt like a combination of concerns manifesting themselves in one game. I love your point about sometimes you got to be a game manager. Sometimes you got to go out and win the game. If you're playing the Chiefs, you're playing Pat Mahomes. You're not you got to go score. win the game. You're, you're not going to win by dumping the ball off three, four yards a crack. But when you're playing a team like the Jets and a backup quarterback, is pretty much just don't blow it. All that said, one game, and I also feel – there's not enough credit that's being given to a very good defense. I, I think the Jets defense is really good. And they just, styles make fights, and they just match up with the Bills so well. This isn't the first time, and they lost to them last year. The offense didn't play very well in Buffalo last year. Going back even two years, the Jets, for whatever reason, the way their defense is built, it's just they give Josh Allen fits. But, I mean, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but, like, your confidence isn't lost going forward on Josh Allen, is it? No. Um... I think that there are questions about mental maturity, his ability to, in the middle of a game when things aren't going exactly right, for him to overcome those things. And sure. And, and uh, you're, you a Ted Lasso guy? Yes. Have the memory of a goldfish? Yes. <laughs> it's super yeah. important as a quarterback. It is. Um, being Playing quarterback is the hardest thing you can do in sports. Because so much is expected of you, and when you fall short in the middle of a game, you have to realize that just because in a play or a handful of plays you fell short, there are 60 other plays, 70 other plays, 80 other plays in a game where you can make an impact. So it's hard to what – it, what's really difficult is not letting one play snowball into a 20, a 30, a 40-play thing or a game or a week thing. So I think for Josh, it's going to be really important for him to bounce back. I think this is a good opponent to bounce back against, the, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. But this is a, a an elite defensive line. 
I yeah. mean, they have the second best pass rusher on the edge in football in Max Crosby. They have Chandler Jones. They drafted the kid out of Texas Tech, and I'm forgetting his name, but he looked unreal in the preseason game that he played. So um, this is not enough. They play some unbelievable defenses this year. They've got Dallas, who's the best defense in the league. They've got the Jets another time, which is the second best defense in the league. They got New England two times, which is a really good defense. They got Philadelphia, who's a really good defense. Denver, really good defense. They're going to play almost all of the top 10 defenses in football, and it's not going to get easier. So he's got to make better decisions. He's got to understand when – I think part of this is patience and and maturity and, and there i think those two things are synonymous with josh because i think asking him to be patient for a 60 minute game is hard right now mm-hmm. because when he was patient he had a 70% completion percentage yeah in in on monday night and he went rogue three plays throwing the football and three interceptions if he doesn't throw those and they're just incomplete passes it's a different they might blow that team out yeah i agree and that's just tough it's you want your quarterback to be mature you want him to make those right decisions you want him to make the pat mahomes decisions which pat mahomes uh, aaron Rodgers, these guys don't throw interceptions because they have the ability to stay patient throughout an entire football game and that's what we're waiting cd josh to do and i think that's where you start to lean on ken dorsey and say we need you to help him get there we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back here live from Imperial Pizza, 1035 Abbott in South Buffalo. Good wings. Got my man Nate Gary with me. What's going on with this football game, by the way? I'm kind of uh, got my head it's, it's a slop fest. It's a it's poop a, fest. It's a slop fest. It's a poop fest, yeah. How, how big are you on uh, being like an advanced stats guy? Like, Are you a, a PFF guy? How much is, when you see stats come out? I like DBOA. Every week? Yeah. I, I like look, Aaron Shots. I think DVOA is a great stat. I think Aaron, Quinn, Aaron Quinn's a big DVOA guy. I, I, well. I'm a DVOA guy. I, 
Now there are other, you know, a dot average uh, depth of target. There are a couple other qu quarterback advanced analytics that I look at, but I think DVOA is the best so far, the best indicator of, of how good a team is. Um, and I think the bills finished 10th in offensive DVOA, even though they turned the ball over three times. That's so. weird. <laughs> they also last year were one of the best teams ever recorded offense, defense, and special teams wise in DVOA. Yeah, that's nuts, man. Well, I looked at PFF for this week. I just literally subscribed this week and uh, I was going through some of the like the good, like the guys who I'm statistically played the best, I think had good games. Greg Rizzo had a really good game. He was 10th. Looking at my notes, I was 10th. Him and Floyd were, un were unblockable on the edge. Leonard Floyd had, he was the, he had the fourth best pass rushing productivity of 135 defensive ends. And uh, Greg Rizzo was 10th overall out of 135. How impressed were you with their front four? Because I thought Ed Oliver, a guy who I'm kind of critical Six pressures. of. Yeah, I'm kind of critical of him because it seems like he's a streakier splash player. But if you, if Monday, I almost said yesterday, if Monday's any kind of indicator, that's the Ed Oliver that you want because he looked really good. I thought Jordan Phillips had a good game. I thought Daquan Jones. I think the whole front four had a great game. Um except for losing some of their 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 run their run lanes and some of their um just just maintaining run integrity. It's is a problem for this defense time and time again. Um, what I'll say is Leonard Floyd really, really impressed me. Yeah. As a one year deal guy, you know, with three or 4 million, whatever he had nine sacks, nine and a half sacks last year and seeing him be as productive as he was off the edge. Some uh, juice to him, man. I love the idea of them getting getting creative with Vaughn. So, you know, Cleveland, right? Cleveland uh, is using Miles Garrett. Jim Schwartz, former Bills defensive coordinator, is using Miles um, Garrett in really unique ways, at least we, what, from what we saw in week one. I don't know if you saw any of these, where he was basically as a blitzing linebacker mm -hmm. in the middle of the field. Um, I am super interested in the idea of having Ed Oliver on the field, having – Rousseau and Floyd as your two edges and then getting weird, getting fun, having a doing some unique stuff with Von Miller when he gets back and he gets healthy. So um, I think Leonard Floyd has been a huge pickup for this team. He was their most impactful defensive player outside of Matt Milano on Monday. He uh, he's had nine, at least nine sacks, three straight seasons. So, I mean, the consistency is there is there with him, too. And there were some people, some critics who might have felt that, you know, maybe his best days are long behind him. And that's why he signed with the Bills after the draft for one year. But again, one game, you can't we can't overreact too much like Josh Allen. He one really good. Game. You he can't overreact really too much good. to a, a guy having a good game either. But yeah. He looked really good. You know what else I thought looked really good? And then I looked it up on PFF, and his grade was good as well. Micah Hyde, sixth best grade of any safety. Um, don't agree, huh? This is no, where no, I no, no, PFF no, 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 disconnect. No. You, know, you know who who didn't look that oh, good? Oh, I know who you're going to say. I know who you're going to say, and you're not wrong. Jordan Boyer. Yeah, man. That's, um, he didn't look that good in preseason. You remember the Pittsburgh preseason game when that touchdown run by the guy that you tried to acquire from me in our dynasty league, yeah. Jalen Warren? Yeah, I don't know. I just took a bad angle. It's just like, right, whatever. It's just a play. But I've seen that like three times now and some bad angles. Some, he looks cooked. Yeah, some look. I don't want he him to cooked. be. I don't want him to be. And I'm still willing to give him the benefit of the doubt he right now. He but, looks cooked. Yeah. But. I will say the foot speed doesn't look there. I'm hoping that the instincts, you know, and his pension for it being around good. the football, because he has done throughout his career, 
he's kind of like Milano in a way. He just has a nose to yeah. find that football. You got to hope those skills are still there because it, it does seem like the speed and the, uh, at least the foot speed is definitely starting to erode a little bit, man. It's, um, that is worrisome, but Micah Hyde, he looked quick. He got to the ball quick. I think he had like six or seven tackles. He had an 85.6 PFF grade overall, which was again, was six best of all the safeties in the NFL. And then one other guy that kind of stood out for me for good reasons. And I looked it up in the grade matches um, too. You know, we talk about the offensive line and all the struggles that they had at times, but Osiris Torrance in his first start. Steady. Firing away. Had the best grade of anyone on the team on the offensive line. Steady. Firing away. I mean, that looks like a good move early on um, to, to start him right away. I'd like to see more of Dalton Kincaid, but their first two picks are really looking like Long-term yeah. starters, yeah, sure. mainstays in the offense. And and they needed help on the interior. He's looked at home since his first start in the first preseason game against uh, against Indianapolis. Um, I like Torrance a lot. I He's the in, best interior offensive lineman from the draft. Um, I think they got the best tight end, and they got two of the best players at their position in the draft. Um, and anytime you can do that, I think is really – the team, the way that they've been drafting, I think that's a it's a big get for both of for, for yeah. both those guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see more of Kincaid. Obviously, as I said, but um, it's week one. I, I think that's an evolving role that he'll play in the offense. Um, but Osiris Torrance really, really looked good week one, no doubt. He definitely did against an elite interior defense. Exactly. Player. I mean, yeah. everyone else struggled. You know, you you kind of whispered to the camera and to the mic about um, Jordan Poyer looking cooked. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you another guy who, based on one game, and I'm starting to get a little concerned about. Mitch Morris. Oh, <laughs> I I did not like his game at all. Now, in fairness, Quinton Williams will make he'll really make really good centers the, the best look, look like bad, shit. Yeah. So I mean, it is one game, but my uh my I'm not gonna say the alarm is sounding in my head, but the antenna is going up a little bit um on him in terms of bad grades. Look, Josh Allen has low hanging fruit. Spencer Brown has low hanging fruit. We all Ugh. see it with our own eyes. Ugh. It is what it is. They're that's what they're going to have to deal with. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Yep. Um, one guy, too, that I wanted to go back and look because I noticed him struggling along the offensive line. And this was like kind of like their quote unquote big ticket free agent if they really had one. But Connor McGovern had. Uh, he didn't have a great PFF. 43.9. He was six out of 72 guards. He was 60th. So, I mean, way down on the list. And it looked it, too. Sometimes these grades could be deceiving. Yeah. Like Taylor Rapp was the worst-rated safety in the entire NFL by PFF. He didn't play safety, though. No, that's what I'm saying. He, he was linebacker. Like, yeah, he yeah. was coming up, and he was basically yeah. playing that nickel linebacker He's playing spot. linebacker. Yeah. Right, but, I mean, uh, McGovern, that was, I, I mean, the, the numbers match what you see with the naked eye because he really struggled. It didn't, it and I thought he struggled great. a little bit in the preseason, too. He's also not a guy that you look at and you say is going to do great great things against guys that are like the elite of the elite. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's a good pass rush, like a good pass blocker. He's not a downhill run, which is why I think Torrance is a really good, like I think he's a good compliment to what you have in McGovern, who is a good pass blocker. And then I think you have a, a guy that's a little bit more comfortable as a run blocker in Torrance. I think you got uh, guys that can do both, but one that has a strength in one area and the other one that has a strength in another. How long does a contract matter for? Now, I'm talking about left guard specifically. Conor McGovern gets a good contract, but he one game, yeah, no overreaction too much for one game, but one bad game for sure and some struggles. If that continues, do you go to David Edwards at left guard? David Edwards, I thought, had a really good camp, and I thought he had a good preseason too. He started, in fact, I think he started the he last preseason He did have a very game. good preseason. Like, it's, if you're Sean McDermott, 
how how long do you wait? Before I think you pull Connor that McGovern is further down my list than Spencer Brown. Yeah, but what do they do about Spencer Brown? I don't know. <laughs> Trade? Jermaine Effetti's there. He's a veteran. He's played the, you know, he's played tackle. He's a guy that maybe you can feel. He started games in this league. Um, we haven't heard any reports of this this week, and media, media does have less access to Bills practice than you know camp and preseason. But at some point, do you start trying to work maybe Ryan Bates into that tackle spot? No, no, because I think he's. I think you feel he's your only other true uh, guy that can play center for you. Okay, um, and true. because of that, I don't think you're trying to cross train him. He can play all five positions. That's what he came in. That's what you knew him as. I I just think that the the last thing you want to do is hurt your backup center. Uh, at playing right tackle and then have your center go down and then then you're in trouble. Then you're in real, real trouble. How important is this game on Sunday? Super important. Like super, super important. Um for a lot of reasons. And it's not just a win or lose importance. I think there needs to be a little bit of a statement by the Bills. Yes. I was expecting the Bills to use the narratives against them all offseason as real fuel to not only beat the Jets, but to put on a clinic, to look like the team that we saw for 13, 13 and a half weeks of last year, a team that lost three games by combined eight points. Yeah, We didn't see that. Um, and I think that there's an important point to be made about this Bills team of getting back to who they are and showing the rest of the league that they are still the team that is in the Super Bowl window. So because of that, it's not just win by any means necessary. It's not win ugly. It's not win. Because let me tell you, if the Bills won in overtime on Monday night, uh, it's not like everything's better. You're right. It's really not like everything's better. That. There's a lot of problems, even though they win that, if they win that football game. But at least they win that football game. Yeah. Um, this is a game you can't win 20 to 19. Right. You've got to win this game, you know, 31, 31, 10, 31, 17. And they should. Um, and I think it's important that they do the way you frame that. I couldn't agree more. Look, it sucks. If you're a bills fan, anyway, it sucks. This week sucks. Your quarterback sucked. Everything about this. A week lot of things sucks. sucked. Yeah. Let's just say they got lucky and pulled that game out in, in overtime. They don't you're return. Not feeling, a you're not feeling too much better about it. I'm my concern would be like, what does maybe Josh? What does he really learn? They still won the game. Hey, I played like shit, but we still won the game. You know, like this was like if there's ever going to be a mirror check a for learning, an elite quarterback, uh, yeah, it's right, this. like a learning experience. This is it for sure. I picture, <laughs> I picture Josh Allen. You know, in Rocky Four when he's training, he's got a picture of Drago in the uh <laughs> in the mirror. Yeah, like I want that look from yeah. Josh like this whole week. The Raiders feel on paper like a perfect opponent, but I they do yeah, they but, do okay. but they're, they're, great defensive they're, line. Their offensive line had the best grades of any offensive line coming out of last week in the entire league. Yeah. Um, so they can block. So the defensive line is going to have a different challenge this week. Um, but I think it's a good team for for the moment. Got a great receiver, obviously. Um, you know, Devontae Adams, good running back. Jacobs didn't have a good game against Denver. I think he had like forty eight carries on uh fourteen yards. It feels like Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he didn't get sacked though. Like, no. like you said, the offensive line they they played well. Uh, they did not get Josh sacked. Josh Jacobs is Denver. really good. I'm worried. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about that. Um, yeah. If they if they lose this game, the season's not over. But it's just <laughs> it's going to get really ugly. If they lose, Buffalo. if they go out and win big, like you said, I think all will be well. If they yeah. lose, uh, 
My friend said he's going to call into my show and start reading scripts from the Bible. <laughs> Are you kidding? Dude, no, I, might, I might do that. The Old Testament. If they lose. You know, yeah, before, before, before I let you go, I'm going to get a prediction from you too before sure. I let you go. But before that, one of the things that I've always liked about you, going back for a good handful of years now, being on this show, not even just this show though, is it feels to me as time goes on and, and more mainstream media people are getting involved with podcasting and they're doing their own podcasts as well. The relationship between, say, quote unquote, mainstream media and, and bloggers and, and, you know, local content creators, podcasters, whatever you want to call them. I feel like it's gotten stronger. But there was a there was a time not all that long ago where there were not a lot of people in the mainstream who were willing to, you know, give their time and their voice or their face or whatever to a camera to um to do shows. And that's one of the things I always have admired about you, man. You've always been a, you're kind of a, I don't even want to say a tweener because you do work for WGR. I mean, you are on the mainstream media, but at the same token, you've always been like down with. Yeah. I started the with blogger, one, the you know? I, mean, I started, I started as a blogger with cover one. Right. I mean, that was kind of where I got my start doing this. And while I was part-time at the station, I was doing helping grow Eric and, and, and Aaron. And before even Greg and Aaron were there, it was Eric and I. Um, so there's always a soft place in my heart for, uh, people in the blog community. I, I think this is a unique market um, where we all sort of uniquely work together sure. uh, for a common a common thing. And it's not like somebody has to has to choose between listening to your podcast and listening to my show. Right. They can right. do both. They can do both. Right. Um, and I think that's what's great. I, we don't have three radio stations like New York City. I think lo Austin. not a lot of people think that way, though. At least they didn't before mainstream people I'm talking about. They would consider a direct competition. Like, why am I going to come do talk in Buffalo? That means you're not going to watch or listen to I mean, maybe, what, whatever. Maybe maybe my employer doesn't agree with uh, agree with me. Um but well, I, I, everyone from GR has been on this show. No, it, it's, it's, not, it's not the employees as much as it's I know the what employer. you're saying. Um, and, and maybe they don't, maybe they don't believe that. Uh, but I would say that I think there's room in this market for, um, for all of us. Um, Have you, did you see podcasting growing to what it's gotten to now? Like say maybe five no. years ago? No, I, I no, I, I didn't think so. But I think that the unique part about Buffalo is this. I, I don't know that this. The way that this market is can is where other markets are. I don't know that podcasts are big in New York City for the Jets and for the Giants. Right. I don't know that in Chicago uh, podcasts are as big for you know for the Bears or you know Miami for the Dolphins. Um, but I think more and more what I've learned about um, you know the you and the Eric's and the Aaron's and and Greg's and um, you know the the Buffalo Rumblings guys and gals and Bruce um, Nolan shout out my guy man. Listen, you don't you don't got to tell me to Love shout to out Bruce Nolan. I food for thought was one of my uh one of my favorites. Never watched it on Friday night, but it was part of my Saturday morning routine. Man. Uh, cup uh, of coffee. It was a lot of folks is uh, after uh you know kind of after week we did we did our uh, we we did a podcast last week. We yeah. brought it back for a week. That was we're cool. gonna do that probably forever. We're gonna we're gonna bring it back once so. or twice a year. Um. Bruce is a special guy, man. Um, I know him very well personally. Um, there are not many people know Bruce personally. Right. I, I feel very lucky and that I do. I think he's, I, I, I consider him a very close friend of mine. Um, he's a great content creator. He's incredibly smart. He's one of the smartest people, not just about sports, but just he's one of the smartest people I know. Um, he's great. great and boy. then you got he's Joe got Marino, who I think is 
one of the sharpest people in sports, much less. Um, you know, I, I think we are very, very, very lucky in Buffalo to have the variation we do. Um, I, and I don't view it as, oh, no, someone's not going to listen to me. They're going to listen to Joe or they're not going to they're going to not gonna listen to me. They're going to listen to you. Um, I view it as an opportunity to have a ton of different platforms to talk about a bunch of different things and different views. Um, and if I'm I might feel differently after a loss and need to listen to me, you know, like you might want to listen to me after a loss. You might want to listen to Joe Marino after a win. Right. And, and like, you know, I'm I'm cool with that. I'm I, cool with that, man. I totally get it. And again, a I, lot of people like to listen to me after a loss. I don't know if I like that reputation or not, but you know, I'm gonna make sure if the Bills lose, I'm not even gonna do a podcast. Oh, I'm, gonna, God, I'm gonna turn lose. on WGR. I'm just gonna maybe I'll just record all the callers talking to you and <laughs> I'll offer my own takes on those. All right, before I let you go, official prediction time. Oh, you know, I'm gonna hold you to this if you're wrong. But Bills Raiders, all right. So the Bills are I looked at the Vegas odds before we came here, nine and a half. And the over-under is 47. Nine and a half is crazy. It is. And the over-under is 47. So give me a two, give me a two-team parlay. Uh, I'm taking the Raiders uh plus nine and a half, but I know I'm not taking the Raiders outright. I think the Bills will win. I think it'll be a closer game that 27-20, something like that. At nine a ten, a ten point spread is insane in the NFL. I know it's a home game, so you're getting three extra from just being home. Um Garoppolo is going to be a game manager on yes. Sunday. I think he's going to certainly they've drive. Good, they've got good. Got good. Jake, listen, Jacobs can move the move the chains. They've got Jacoby Brissett or um, uh, Jacoby um, Myers. Jacoby Myers. I don't think he's going to play because yeah, of the he's in protocol still as of now as we record Deva this. Devontae Adams is banged up. He's not going to be one hundred percent. Still, it'll be close enough game at 27 28-21, something like that. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't think the Bills cover that. That's that's a lofty spread. And then uh, over under. Um, what was the over under? 47. Well, I think at 27, 20, I got it right. I got it. You're going to bet on the, um, <laughs> bet on 47 and a half. Seven of the first eight games on Sunday were under. Really? It's early in the season. Teams are not crisp. Um, I'll take the over in this game, but it's not going to be by much. I'm being a homer here, admittedly, but I, I think the Bills went comfortably. If you're right, there's going to be a lot of anxiety going on. If the Bills went 28, 21. I, I think, I think, People will be all right with that. It's not. It's not the best, but it's. So you think the reaction? As long as the Bills win, it's going to be like all right. As long as the Bills win, it's like twenty-eight fourteen, and they get a late touchdown. It's twenty-eight twenty-one, and it makes it feel close, but it's not really close. You're you'll be in the stadium Sunday, right? I will be. Yep. What do you think the temperature is going to be in there? Let's just say first quarter, first Impatient. second drive, a Josh Allen turnover. Impatient. It's you're gonna you're gonna it's feel going to be you're gonna feel the tension. It's going to be impatient. <laughs> If they go three and out, interception early, it's gonna be boo birds. It's gonna they are gonna be impatient. <laughs> we'll and rightfully see. so, by the way. We'll see. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this episode. Make sure you follow my guy Nate on Twitter at Nate Gary Sports. One more time, huge thank you to Imperial Pizza. You know, I'm sitting here great folks here, like man. a like a you know, like a like a broken record talking about how good this place is every time I'm here. I finally got a guy who actually appreciates wings and Not we'll that. be fair and, and kind of in depth with discussing them. And I'm glad you did because can I'll I, can I mention something about Imperial yeah. as someone who uh, frequented the OG Imperial? This is, uh, this is, this nice. is a, this is a remarkable place. Yeah. Um, it went from being uh, you walk in, you get your pizza, you walk out to a place that you want to stay at. Yeah. This is, there are not a lot of places like this in Buffalo, much less South Buffalo. Um, this is a remarkably fantastic sports bar 
uh, and not one you uh, if you if you haven't been to Imperial in a long time, come back. This place is is remarkable. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you again. Have a good weekend. Listen to WGR post game Nate Gary, and I'll be back with the new episode on Monday. Take care, guys. Mm-hmm.